0: Warriors, Warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to You have that killer instinct.
1: I do look at myself as being one of the most
0: dominant fighters in MMA history.
1: He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM grand buffet to the face, man. What's up, Fight fans? It's time for another episode of the RJ Ringside Podcast. You can find this anywhere on ReviewJournal.com, and we are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. So if you're listening to this now, subscribe, give us a follow there, and let us know what you think. We always love hearing from you. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, here joined with Adam Hill. And we are actually at the T-Mobile, the site of where UFC 246 will be going down this Saturday, January 18th. You all know the main event if you're a fight fan. Conor McGregor, Donald Cerrone. If you've been under a rock, you're probably the only person who hasn't heard about it, but everyone else has.
0: Yeah, I think the general sports world has even uh, heard about this. A lot of the promos, you know, running on ESPN. A lot of people are seeing it on, you know, football games and college basketball games. I keep p- seeing people tweet about uh, seeing the advertisements everywhere. So uh, the countdown is on. Conor McGregor. Uh, here in Las Vegas, I believe I think I saw uh, him around town. So uh, he's here getting ready, counted down, getting uh, acclimated to, you know, the small altitude that's here. I know he likes to be here a little bit before a fight. Sometimes he trains in L.A., uh, but in here in Las Vegas, popping in and out of the P.I. usually uh, has a little gym set up to himself here in Vegas as well. Uh, So he kind of has a routine, even though it's been a long time since he fought at all. The last time he did fight was here in Las Vegas, and he's used to being out here. Uh, So he's getting ready. And uh, I think the city is uh, is ready for a major event coming back to Las Vegas here just about a week away.
1: And it's crazy because I don't know if anybody out there else knows about this, but CES was just here. It was a crazy week here. Like it was packed, getting anywhere on the strip. And then, bam, right after it, fight week. And that means a lot of just a hectic kind of action also happening down here i mean we've got uh being three locations i think for everything going down so we just got the fight week schedule today today being a thursday night and uh wednesday they're gonna have the uc press conference now this is a little bit different because it's prime time yeah. it's something that we don't often see and so on the east coast this thing will be airing at eight o'clock at night, uh, 5 p.m. here on the West Coast this is happening at the Palms, and man, that place is kind of a small theater. So it looks like here I'm reading it now, free and open to the public. I don't know if they picked a big enough venue.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think there's about 3,000 seats, and they can squeeze in a few more if they open the floor, uh, depending on how they set up for media. It's, it's it's pretty pretty substantial, and usually press conferences. I think the most I've seen at press conferences, really, except for really really special occasions, is like. I've seen like 5,000 at a press conference before. I think, you know, it'll be about right. They might have to shut it down and and create some demand, but they can do that. This is this is more, I think you'll see it, you know, broadcast. You'll see uh, people very into the press conference. You know, I said when this fight was announced, I think the press conference could be better than the actual fight. Yeah. And I think the fight could be okay. But, you know, everybody knows what Connor can do at a press conference, and he hasn't been out there in a while, so he's probably got a whole lot of new material uh, to go at Cerrone with. And Cerrone hasn't exactly been, you know, throwing barbs at Connor and really going after him, trying to get under his skin, but I'm sure he's, he's going to embrace the moment, embrace the spotlight, and, you know, be the, the Cowboy Cerrone that a lot of people have, uh, have grown to love over the years. So I, I think he's going to try to balance promoting – and, you know, being in the spotlight and, and trying to give the fans what they want with also not kind of falling victim to what other guys have have fallen to before. Uh, you know, we've talked many times and I've, I've mentioned, I think, even here on this podcast recently about just Eddie Alvarez just melted uh, under the Conor McGregor spotlight and, and Conor went after him and you can just tell Alvarez was beat at the press conference. Um, so I, I think Cerrone... I'm sure he's been around. He knows, you know what he's getting into. I think he'll have a plan uh, to approach this mentally. Uh, but you just never know what Connor's going to come at you with, and and there's plenty for Cerrone to go back at Connor with as well. We'll see how many of those bullets he tr- tries to uh, to shoot at that press conference. I'm sure uh, he might not go all in. Uh, but there, there could certainly be some fireworks, and I think a lot of people are excited about this. That's why you see the primetime press conference, and we'll see what that means for Connor arriving 5 o'clock Vegas time. We'll see if they tell him maybe it's at 2, and then he'll show up on time.
1: Yeah, I think that would be best.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's been a strategy. And Listen, just going behind the scenes a little bit, they have told them in the past uh, false times, Uh, They've told him, you know, different times to try to get him there. You know, I figure if you tell him it's two hours earlier than it actually is, he'll show up two hours late and then he'll be on time. Uh, But Connor is very savvy. And I know that in the past he has occasionally looked on Twitter or gotten the email to see what time the press conference actually is so that he uh, he can then be fashionably late as he likes to be.
1: He most certainly would have seen this one because the UC is blasting it all yeah. over their account on Twitter so and Instagram I've seen it so I'm pretty sure that he's savvy enough to check up on that and keep you know the tabs on what's actually going on. So I don't know but I think he still likes to do that just to kind of play mind games with his opponents whether or not he means to do it directly which I think he does. But yeah, or I think he does. Yeah, or if it's a subconscious thing.
0: He also I mean he it's, it's it's to play mind games with the opponent. It's also to tell everyone that he's in control and he's in power. Um, and then there's also like, I, you know, I I can relate a story. It was early in his career, actually. I know exactly the day it was. It was the press conference for Mayweather-Pacquiao, and they flew Connor in to do a uh, a media appearance. He was actually going to do a live hit on ESPN, which was broadcasting from the pool at the MGM Grand. They had a huge stage set up. It was, you know, that fight was one of the biggest spectacles we've ever seen. And they wanted Connor live on the set at ten a.m. and and I was doing kind of a, a shadow that day where I got to just hang out with Connor the entire day. Showed up uh, out at Red Rock where he was staying around seven thirty in the morning. He was supposed to be in the lobby at eight. Uh, again, live on ten. It was eleven thirty. He still wasn't in the lobby yet. And, and and this and he when he did come down, it wasn't like you know some it's hard to describe. It wasn't, it wasn't the, the manner you'd think he came down just all happy and smiling, like very friendly and polite. Like, Hey, what's going on everybody? As if everybody hadn't been down there waiting for, you know, three and a half hours. And it, it was, it was very, it was remarkable to kind of see it almost, it almost gave the impression of Connor is not doing it on purpose. He's just, he just doesn't care about clocks, which is a very weird thing. And I'm certainly not defending. He, he does. He's doing it on purpose. But his attitude about it is just so different than you kind of would expect, uh, what it is. And it certainly has not changed as he's gotten more and more famous. And people, you know, they already were kind of, you know, kowtowing to him and and bowing to what he wanted because he was so important and so uh, profitable for the company. And now he realizes like there's really nothing anybody could do. If he just says, I'm not showing up or I'm going to show up six hours late, what are you going to do? He's the guy that makes the company all of the money. So he's got so much power, and he's certainly taking advantage of it.
1: And he is scheduled to be last on media day, and so yeah, three o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) Yeah, you're not going
0: (laughs) to like the media day sessions are scheduled like one, one thirty, two, two thirty-three, and if you put him like the third one at like two. Uh, And then he doesn't show up till like six. Then everybody else has to wait there three, four hours, whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, you're definitely going to put him last in a setting like that.
1: Which this one is close to the public. But typically what happens is you get all of the blue corner fighters and then they square off with the red corner fighters. And then the red corner fighters get their opportunity to be interviewed. And everybody either involved in the main or the co-main are on separate platforms that are uh, apart from all the rest of the card so that you can get more time with them and the more media can fit around them. So in this case, they have Conor McGregor and Cowboy Cerrone at 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. McGregor at 3, as I mentioned. So I think that's a little bit interesting that they did do that setup, which probably means, Adam, you and I will work a 12 hour day just just in the far waiting, just no the question. waiting part. I would, say no, I would <laughs> say no
0: question about that. And, you know, inter- and, and it is separated in a different way because. Really, the card is not great. There's not, there's not a great supporting card around that fight. This is, this is one of those cards where it's, Hey, this is a Conor McGregor fight. And that's what people are, are there for. That's what people are purchasing. And they've got some other, you know, interesting bouts on the card for sure. And, you know, they're throwing Macy Barber in there, who I know the UFC is planning on being a massive star. Uh, you know, in the next couple of years, she's, you know, young and, and so somebody that can, you know, kind of carry a press conference on her own too. Uh, she's learning all of those things, so I think they want to feature her uh, on that card. And, and she's on the—I uh, believe she's the headliner of the the ESPN card leading into it. So they want to get her that spot to to showcase her. So she'll be a focus of attention this week, no question. But this is the kind of card that it is contingent. This is a boxing card. It's contingent on one fight. And if something were to happen to Connor or Cowboy. It would be a disaster because the rest of the card just is not enough to put it on a a pay-per-view type broadcast.
1: I do like the pairing with Macy Barber. You brought her up, and we were able to see her in the Dana White Contender Series. And, man, she just somebody that's like a bolt of lightning. She comes out, and she steamrolls her opponents, and she's still undefeated. She's a very... Uh, well game plan prep type fighter when you see her in there she knows exactly how to work her way around her opponent she's come up with really crafty game plans and then she's just got a ton of power a ton of pop she's somebody's really going to be exciting to watch down the stretch and against Roxanne Montefiore one of the OGs of the women's MMA um, and especially flyweight division. And I I think that Roxanne is going to be somebody that is going to be a test. I mean, there was a time where Roxanne was on a slump. But since she's come back and been at Syndicate, uh, she's here in Las Vegas training, she's really turned things around, and I think her working with John Wood has drastically improved her striking from what she did have, and she's well-known for her jiu-jitsu, but when you look at the pairing, I think that Roxanne has a really good skill set to give Macy a challenge.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, the odds makers would disagree with you. Uh, Surely. <laughs> M- Macy Barber is, I think, minus 1,000. So wow. essentially, essentially 10 to 1. Wow. Uh, for Roxanne Modafferi in this fight, no respect. Uh, this is yeah, and, and this is a lot of reputation, but certainly Modafferi is is in the cage to lose. That is the plan for the UFC. That that's that's essentially what is going on here, uh, and and those things don't always work out, but that is that's certainly how it's being set up. I know uh, there was a pretty interesting story involving them today. Uh, apparently, they have had a conversation in the past. They both you know like to as a lot of fighters do uh, do weight cuts using a bathtub and and soaking and all of those other uh, things and apparently roxanne had called over to the palms they are staying at the palms as uh, as you kind of pointed out they're doing the press conference there and that's where the fighter hotel is going to be and roxanne had called over and asked if the the rooms have bathtubs because not all hotels do a lot of them just have showers and they said well all of our rooms have tubs except for the ivory tower And apparently, that is where all the fighters are staying. So there's no bathtub there. So Monteferri DM'd Macy Barber and said, Hey, just a heads up. I know we've talked about this in the past. They don't have bathtubs in the rooms. You should plan accordingly for your weight cut. And Macy Barber kind of sent this out, like, What a sweetheart this girl is. (laughs) Like, almost like, I'm going to, I feel bad that I'm going to beat up on her next week. But this is, but that's just the kind of person that she is. You know, we've obviously known uh, Roxanne for a long time being around here in Las Vegas. And she, that's just kind of who she is. So it's not a surprising story but I think a lot of people from the outside looking at it would be like this girl's trying to murder you next week in the cage why are you being so nice to her but I don't think she can help herself.
1: Right. There's somebody else on this card that's always had that sort of disposition as well. And she's taking on Raquel Pennington, that person being Holly Holm. Fans love her. They love coming out to see her. It's a little bit of a shame there's no open workout because we are not going to get to see her dance and bring all the, yeah. the fun people out there with her to do the sprinkler or whatever dances Holly has invented over the times. But uh, I mean, I think. You can check it out.
0: <laughs> she's doing a lot of dancing on Instagram still. So just yeah. check that out.
1: <laughs> I got to get more on the gram. Yeah, I'm so old school. gram game. Is weak. It is very weak. I got to step my game up. Adam's going to show me how to do some stories and make them really pop and sizzle. So but when, <laughs> when you look at the matchup between Holly Holm, Raquel Pennington at bantamweight, uh, this is number three and number five, respectively, in the UFC rankings. Um, Pennington sitting at five, Holm at three. Uh, this is one that I mean. We've seen these people contend in this division. They're always been at the top. Um, do you think at all that this is a fight that could produce somebody that will face off for the title soon? Or would this be more not necessarily a title eliminator, but... It eliminates someone from contention, if that makes sense. And then the next person moves on to a title eliminator.
0: Yeah, I think that's certainly possible. I mean, they're both kind of in that mix uh, right there. They've, you know, Holly's had the title before. Pennington has had her shot before. Uh, So, I mean, they're both fighters that are certainly capable Of being kind of at that level and and i think you're right more than a a title eliminator it's it's the other way i mean usually when you look at title eliminator it's you know one of them's going to step up really this is which one is going to fall out of the picture uh it's kind of how you would you would frame this one a little bit and you know i think it's a it's a pretty good fight you know holly holm has has dropped i'm just checking him back again what one two three four five of her last seven fights so You know, she hasn't been exactly dominant, but that's been really, really top level competition uh, over that stretch. Um, If you look back, you know, back when she had first come to the UFC uh, as a world champion boxer, Raquel Pennington is one of the fighters that she got by. It was really close fight. I think a lot of hype around Holly Holm at the time. And that was one of those fights I kind of said, okay, maybe she's not quite there. Uh, and then, of course, she goes on to, to knock out, you know, Ronda Rousey and stun the world. But uh, Holly Holm has certainly improved since then. She's fought all the best of the best. Raquel Pennington is just really tough, though. So I, I, I think it's a fight that Holly Holm probably should have some advantages in. Uh, but she will absolutely be challenged in this fight. And uh, if she's able to win and show that she's still at that level, she's certainly marketable enough to be in that mix to get a to get a shot again.
1: All right, so let's just go look at the card here, UFC 246. Uh, What fight do you think, aside from the ones that we've already mentioned, unless those are the ones you want to go with, is going to be one that's a real standout for this fight card? Um, Maybe an early prediction of a a fight of the night or just one that you think is going to really um, be a showcase bout for somebody?
0: Yeah, I mean, anytime you have Anthony Pettis on a card, you know, he's a guy that a lot of people really really enjoy watching and even though the, the success hasn't necessarily been there consistently uh, lately he's always a guy that brings entertaining fights uh, for the most part so I think you know watching him and seeing how he performs and you know there's a reason that they have him uh, kicking off the main card because uh, there always is eyeballs and interest in what he does uh, and you know uh, anytime Claudia Gadella fights, that means uh, I'm, I'm very thrilled to see how she I thought that was going to
1: be the one. I thought that yeah. was it. <laughs>
0: uh, so, I mean, that, she she's on the card. So, there's, again, there's names on the card. There's other fighters that can, can kind of make their name off of them uh, a little bit and, you know, in that fight, she's fighting Alexa Grasso, another person who had a ton of like expectations and high hopes and hasn't always had the results to follow that. Uh, so I think the winner there uh, puts themselves into a pretty good position uh, going forward. There's just there's just a lot of those fights that could be good fights and I think more it's more fighters trying to stay in the mix and stay you know up near the top of the division and stay relevant. And uh, there's I think it's going to it's going to provide some really good matchups and some good battles uh, for fighters that are kind of desperate to, to hold where they are in the rankings. And, you know, nobody, I think, is going to take some big springboard into, you know, superstardom or title contention necessarily, but it's more trying to avoid falling out of it. And I think there's a lot of those types of fights. You know, the loser between Godella and Grasso is is way back in the pecking order. So that's going to create, you know, some real some real tension, some real drama and uh, some real important results.
1: Same with uh, Pettis, as you mentioned, and uh, Carlos Diego Feria. So I think that's going to be one as well, That same thing. It's the person that, that loses that one, falls out of the rankings. Yeah. But as we look at this main event and all the events that are coming to Las Vegas, guys, we already mentioned that the uh, press conference on Wednesday is open to the public. That one happening at the Palms. Start time and check-in for y'all. You can get in those doors at 3.30 p.m. Uh, the media day we mentioned closed to the public, but then you'll have the weigh-ins that happening at the Park Theater here in this T-Mobile Toshiba Plaza area. Um, The check-in will be at 2 p.m. for the public, so you guys can head out to those events happening during Fight Week. Uh, As we prepare to leave you on this podcast, I just want to say one thing in regards to what you mentioned earlier with Donald Cerrone and the mental game that Connor always plays. I really hope Donald Cerrone does what he does this Fight Week and just comes out goes and find some place to bring out like a four wheeler, or a quad and, and does some crazy flips and then goes and gets in an airplane and does some crazy turns and then goes like, jet skiing out on Lake Mead or something the like prob- that. The problem is <laughs> what, we, what we already
0: talked about. I mean, he, that's just what he does. So you expect yeah. that he's probably going to do those things, right? but man, there's a lot at stake in this fight. Cause again, if it's not like they would just lose a main event, like this fight would have to be off of pay-per-view if, well, the way it's constructed now with ESPN, I, I don't know how they would ex- actually do that because ESPN owns the pay-per-view. They can kind of do whatever they want with it. Um, but it, there's just too much at stake for a fight card that really only has one attraction uh, to do those kind of things. So I, I'm sure they're going to be talking to him. I'm sure Dana White knows what Cowboy he likes to do fight week. Uh, he likes to Uh, there's a an rv park resort that he likes to you know come out here when he's staying in las vegas and park his rv there and kind of live out of that uh i know there's a place that he goes to have dinner after weigh-ins and he always drinks a couple of beers after weigh-ins and you know kind of enjoys himself like he's got a routine here in vegas and and part of that is doing those kind of adventurous quote-unquote quote-unquote daredevil-y things uh but again, there's there's just so much at stake. So I'm sure a lot of people are gonna have a talk to him. I'm sure he's not gonna listen, and uh, he's gonna do whatever he wants to do. But man, that's risky.
1: I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't listen. In other words, just because I think that this is something that he needs to keep his mental game on
0: point. He's also at this when he gets to town. If it's you know sometime this weekend, he's a week out from winning the lottery. He basically, essentially, what you're asking him to do is. Ha- he he already won a lottery. He's got the ticket in his hand and Hey, you're on the way to go cash it. Why don't you like toss the ticket up in the air in the wind and see if it blows away. Like maybe it won't, maybe you'll just grab it, but why would you do it? Like, why would you take a chance like that? But again, that's, it, it's tough to also tell somebody to not be who you are. Yeah. And and that's just what he is. And maybe if he doesn't do those kind of things, he's not mentally ready. He's not in the game. So uh, it's, it's a really tough choice. He also does have a kid now. And he's had it for a while, but I think that kind of like, is it worth just throwing something out there going like cliff diving or something (laughs) the night before you basically make enough money or the, the week before you basically make enough money for your kid would never have to work? Like would you would you do that?
1: I would say this: let's find a middle-of-the-road option. Go to the Grand Prix track and and ride some of those little cars on a track.
0: Like or like, yeah, the
1: go-karts. That's really
0: not dangerous at all. It's I, don't, I don't know if that's road. gonna I don't know if that's gonna <laughs> test him. He's gonna okay. do something super crazy. Or
1: one of those extreme jumpy places where you can get on a trampoline and well, take the I kick. mean,
0: think of the the blown knee ligaments or I mean, there's just way too much that could go wrong. I'm just with.
1: inviting all kinds of danger, mischief, and trouble for uc 246. But that'll do it for us here today because we do have to get rolling on this podcast so we can get ready and our minds prep to for everything coming our way this week. Again, UFC 246 happening at the T-Mobile Arena on January 18th, Saturday night. Your main event, Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Connor McGregor, the notorious one going at it, and the co-main Holly Holm Raquel Pennington. We'll be back with all the coverage during Fight Week here, and you can check us out on ReviewJournal.com or CoveringTheCage.com. That is still a hot link to get to all of your MMA directly on the website, so follow us also on Twitter at AdamHillLVRJ and i am at heidi fang so for adam hill and for larry Meir who could not make it this evening but we hope he comes back for fight week we will talk to you again real soon